Welcome on in everyone to this week's edition of OA News Overtime. I'm Sarah Polcheski and as always I'm here with the wonderful Justin Lee and Jordan Hill. So guys what do you what have y'all been up to recently? Yeah I'm hoping that I'm not short on breath. I just got back from a walk with Maya. Just been chasing this puppy around. She's she's getting better. It's just like I told one of the other guys on the beat. Um, it's just like Brian Harson saying want to be one to know every day. We want to no accidents, go to sleep with no fights. That's all we're looking to do. She's done pretty good, I got to say. Therapy, are we are we addressing the elephant in the room? What's going on here? We'll address it later. Come on, therapy. All right. We will all address right. the elephant That's in the room tease. later. That's we call that the are, we, the are we addressing the elephant in the room about Auburn fans rolling tumors after Alabama lost to UCLA? Is that what? the elephant? Segway. What a I thought segway. we were I thought we were talking Auburn soccer. <laughs> Lots of elephants in the room this week, but you know what, guys? I'm going to dive right in. It's Auburn football, you know. Uh, spring practice, they had their first scrimmage, and we got to go to practice on Thursday. So what have y'all's biggest takeaways been so far, this far into spring practice for Auburn football? Uh, two things right off the top. First off, sincerely, I want to give credit to um, the Auburn uh, Sports Information Department uh, because we've gotten access that I didn't think we were going to get. And, you know, that's probably a credit to the coaching change and the coaches wanting to kind of let people see what the new era is going to look like. But um, like you mentioned, Sarah, we were at that open practice for something like 40 minutes on Thursday. And that was after we were at the entire practice the previous Saturday. So it has been nice to get access that we weren't really expecting. On the whole, um, not a lot of surprises that I've seen. I think that we've gotten a good sense of, you know, some of the depth chart and and some of the changes we might see, I think the biggest thing's been the defense. We know it's going to look different. Looking, you know, switching between a, a three front, three man front, and a four man front, and, and some of the guys that are involved in that situation and, and sort of that setup. But it's been a, a pleasant surprise to be able to kind of look behind the curtain, uh, see what the offense might look like, see, you know, two tight end sets. What a concept! Well, you know, <laughs> crazy stuff. But in all honesty, it's been nice to get a chance to see the guys getting in some practice and and get a look at who we may see as some of the starters, some guys that, that will surprise, you know, some guys we didn't think was quite as highly evaluated or, or thought of in that last, uh, you know, by the last coaching staff, but that's natural. That's what happens when there's a coaching change. Guys pretty much get to start over and they get a chance to sort of earn the respect and earn the trust of a new coaching staff. So it's been nice to see them get started, but, you know, we're, we're pretty much at the halfway mark because they're taking a break and then they're going to go back this coming week to spring practice leading up to a day on April 17th. So a lot can still change, but it's been nice to sort of get a sneak peek at what we'll probably be seeing come a day. Well, I appreciate Brian, um, you know, it, it, still being a coach and saying there's no depth chart, but admitting that there is a pecking order, <laughs> you can kind of see uh, the depth chart kind of filling out in front of us um, without just being in denial about it. Like, Oh, pay no attention, you know, uh, so the man behind the curtain, uh, so we, we can kind of see a little bit of uh, what they're working with at the beginning. And, uh, and that, you know, and like I said, I mean, they've, you know, because of COVID, we really didn't know what we were going to see. I mean, we didn't see a single practice all fall. Uh, so, yeah, we've seen a little bit. And, uh, of course, none of it's been a, a crazy surprise. But, um, you know, it's just uh, it, that's been good. And I guess the main takeaway is they're, they're just working. And, you know, we'll – We'll see where it goes, but we, we see the starting point. It's not much of a surprise, um, and, and we'll see how it evolves going into the fall. 
And we learned Jeremiah Wright towards ACL during the scrimmage, their first scrimmage of spring practice. How important is that loss for Auburn in the spring heading into a fall where he likely won't be able to come back that quickly? I think it's big. You know, I think Jeremiah was probably one of the bigger surprises, at least to start spring practice, because we went out there for that Saturday practice. And Jeremiah Wright, a guy that was recruited to play offensive line and moved to the defensive line, is taking snaps with the first team. You're like, oh, my gosh, this guy might be starting a defensive tackle. It's a real shame that he got hurt. You know, there's a window where maybe he can come back at the very end of the season, um, but even that's going to be a push. You know, it's unfortunate he got hurt. If that injury is going to happen, you kind of want it in the spring because now that opens up opportunities for other guys to prove themselves. I wrote a story that will be in Thursday's paper talking about, you know, five different guys throughout the roster to kind of keep your eye on going into what's left of the spring. And Marquise Burks is one of those guys. He was in playing in Jeremiah's place Thursday when we were able to watch practice. He's a Juco guy that I think he played in about five games last year and had some moments. He, had, he got a sack against Alabama and played pretty well against Mississippi State and, and uh, Northwestern. But, you know, this is his chance to prove himself. And there's other guys like Zachivius Walker and a few other defensive tackles who now have a chance to step up and show – you know, Jeremiah's loss is probably going to be a, a significant one, but that they've got other guys that have the opportunity um, to prove that they can be counted on and to, to hold. You know, when you're playing that three-man front, that defensive tackle, that guy in the middle is real, real important. They need someone to be able to step up. Now's the chance for some of these guys to prove themselves and show that they can step up and, and really hold the front on the defensive line. Jordan, you kind of mentioned, you know, these players that are surprising you that y'all – didn't necessarily think of heading into spring camp due to the coaching change. Which players have stood out to y'all thus far in spring camp? Well, the shame is Jeremiah, right, was one of those guys, and, and we said he's gotten hurt. Uh, but Javarius Johnson, a receiver, uh, you know, the receiving core came in and it not only lost the top three targets from last year, Seth Williams, Anthony Schwartz, Eli Stove, those guys are all going to the NFL, but – you know, you got, um, you know, Zevion Capers is hurt. Uh, Shedrick Jackson is also dealing with injuries. So it's kind of wide open with receivers. Javarius Johnson was a guy that didn't really play a whole lot last year. And he's come in and, and really seems to have impressed Mike Bobo, impressed Brian Horson. Not only was he, you know, playing, I think they had him in the slot when we were watching them on Thursday. But, you know, he's also been working at punt returner. He could be a guy that helps Auburn in, in several different facets, and that's what they need. And that's what's really fun about a, a coaching change is you get kind of a whole new look at, you know, even things you kind of take for granted, like who's playing on special teams and who's running back kicks. Uh, I think he's played uh, really well so far. He seems to have made an impression. And, uh, you know, that's a big guy. And then the, the guy we talked about coming off of practice Thursday, J.J. Pagese, and we knew what he was able to do at the end. And, uh, I think we talked about it last time. Justin got some photos of him laying out Zacoby McLean in that Saturday practice. But now Harson's talking about, hey, he might be playing on defense. He might be playing on special teams. And, you know, honestly, I really like the idea of him playing on the defensive line and, and bringing pressure on the opposing quarterback because Auburn's got a, a few different options that tied in with a guy like Brandon Frazier. I know Tyler Fromm's been in there. Uh, a couple other guys that have been getting in the mix. Why not try him on the defensive line here and there and let him show that that quick burst that he's got, that athleticism, that um, he's made those blocks. Let's see if he can go chase down some some quarterbacks and really make some big plays. So 
those are the two guys to me, Javarius Johnson and J.J. Pagese. And again, uh, we've got nine practices left, and that includes A-Day. So there, there's plenty of chances for some more guys to kind of rise to the occasion and show that they can be counted on when we get to the fall. It sounds insane, but maybe like maybe it's third and long. You know they're going to pass. You put him on the edge and see if you can get around somebody. I don't know, man. I don't know if we'll see that. Uh, but like you said, uh, that's kind of the open season part of this. You know, when there's a new coaching staff, um, it's all everything's up for grabs all of a sudden and everyone's making a first impression. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's it seems to have, you know, every time there's a coaching change that that happens, it all, it all starts over. So. Uh, a lot of guys are, you know, we'll, we'll find out in the fall more of who those guys are who, who took advantage because right now they're trying to take advantage of that. So y'all mentioned, obviously, we're ha about halfway through spring camp leading up to A-Day on April 17th. What do y'all kind of expect to see from the rest of the spring camp leading up to that A-Day game? I think the biggest thing for me is just to see if, if they kind of settle in on the offensive line because what we've seen so far is the exact lineup we saw for the majority of 2020. And you know, we've talked about guys like Brendan Coffey, who, who played a good bit at the end of last year when Brodarius Ham got hurt. All indications so far is it's, it's the same lineup, but do they try to, you know, put people in? Maybe even in A-Day, do we see them kind of shift guys around when you still got the, the first team offense working? Uh, that's probably the big thing for me and also the secondary, just because there are so many pieces. I think really – when you look at it, I may say the secondary is the most talented part of Auburn's team. They've got guys that they can put in a number of positions. And, you know, they've talked about Nehemiah Pritchett, who was a guy who was playing cornerback. They're working him at nickel right now. And, you know, I think that that would be a really interesting move. And and I wrote about today a, a local guy, Devin Geis, who's been at Auburn for four or five years now uh, from Opelika. He's been working at nickel a little too. Can we see a guy that's a super senior all of a sudden – you know, be trusted to, to play a big role in the secondary. I think it's probably between him and Nehemiah. But uh, they got a really talented secondary on the whole, and I'm interested to see how that kind of shakes out, who winds up being the other safety besides Smoke Monday, and uh, and sort of what that winds up looking like as we get ready for summer and, and then leading into the fall. Yeah, I'm interested in receivers too. I mean, because Seth's gone and and, and uh, Schwartz is gone, and you know you got a whole new whole new look there. Uh, some of it, you know, like Bo's the quarterback, get over it. That's that's how it's going to be. And Tank's the top running back, and and Sean's behind him. That's how it's going to be. We know that. Uh, but yeah, like I said, offensive line, and we'll see. There's a little bit of a pecky order there. But wide receivers on offense is just wide open. We don't know what we don't even know what that's going to look like. And and. I'm I'm not even sure what Bo looks like without Seth as his go-to man because man there were so many times that you know he he was he was the go-to guy so um, yeah I, I'll say especially a day itself like I'll, I'll I'll be interested to see who Bo targets who he likes to target is there any body that he can develop anything like the connection he had with Seth because um, he needs to get it get it figured out now because uh, you know the fall's coming. I will throw in on receivers because I think that's a good point, Justin. I mean, the guy we're looking at right now is one of the more experienced and healthy guys. You got Kobe Hudson, but also Elijah Kenyon. And I think he had one catch going into that Citrus Bowl. He, he's the one that I kind of went off. So, you know, when you look at that as one of your more experienced guys, that's sort of an area for concern. But Kobe played a good bit. Uh, he was one of the freshmen along with Xavion Capers and Xavion's dealing with uh, injury trying to get back but uh, yeah receiver is definitely going to be an area to, to really focus on and, and see what it kind of looks like in that 8 day game 
It'll definitely be interesting watching this Auburn team progress through Ada and then again into the fall. Auburn soccer brought back the rivalry trophy against Alabama this past weekend. And Justin, you've been following along more so than either of us about the latest in Auburn soccer. So how important was that win for that Auburn soccer team in their mini spring season? Yeah, it's big. And and they're um, obviously, they, you know, I talked to Coach Hopper before. It was kind of funny because I was just like, you know, we've talked about, you know, the big goal is to make it to the NCAA tournament. The big goal is to impress the selection committee. But then when you roll around the schedule and Alabama's on the schedule, all of a sudden you don't care about any of that. We're trying to beat Alabama. And uh, they had lost to them in the fall. And they really felt like they they shouldn't have, and uh, so they were they got like a free shot at revenge, a free chance uh, to schedule them in the spring in non-conference play. Uh, so and then they went over there and took care of business. Uh, they won two one. They, they Alabama scored with literally 15 seconds left uh, to to kind of cut the lead, cut the margin in half. But it was a dominant victory. That was in fact Alabama's only shot on goal that game. So, uh, but it, it's big because they've now won three in a row. Uh, they're now eight and five and three overall for fall and spring, and it all counts together because the SEC they played the SEC season in the fall because football played in the fall and they had to have girls sports play in the fall. That's why they did that. But now the NCAA tournament was delayed until the spring, so now they they did it backwards. They did conference play, and now they're doing non-conference play uh, to round out their schedule so they have a full complete resume. So, uh, to, but to actually get wins, not draws, you know, is, is big, you know, to get, get W's and they're piling on up. They've got three in a row now. I'm not, I don't know where they are on the bubble. I, you know, I would think they're in a favorable position right now with an opportunity, especially if they close out with wins against South Alabama and Virginia Tech. When you're closing your regular season with five straight wins, um, they felt like entering the spring, they were on the bubble. They had a, they had a good chance as long as they were successful and they've, they've been successful so far. Tricky thing is it's a 48 team field instead of 64, so we're kind of we're all kind of in the dark, I think. But that, but you know, if you you can't mess around and get a bunch of scoreless draws uh, in the spring, you know, and expect to get in the NCAA tournament, you need wins, and they're getting them. They they beat Georgia, Louisville, and Alabama all in a row. Uh, they've got a strong opportunity to win again against South Alabama, uh, and then they play Virginia Tech. So we'll see. Ultimately, uh, you know, like I said, it's all about the NCAA tournament. That's why they're playing in the spring. They're kickstarting it to, to boost their resume, to improve what they did in the, in the fall. Um, so uh, we'll see. But, but obviously, uh, the, the Alabama week kind of is contained in itself, and they're glad they got that win, and that's something they can carry on into next year, no matter how the, the rest of the season goes. Uh, so the rivalry win is always very big. Well, Justin, speaking of hardware and postseason play, we got Auburn a question, something we all pretty much can agree that we don't know very much about. But Auburn a question continues its, continued its reign of dominance this past weekend, bringing home yet another SEC championship title. Just, I know y'all can't really expand too much on a question because it's a very complicated sport that I know a lot of us don't know about. But how important is it for Auburn to have this like pillar championship team that year in and year out, they're bringing home hardware and championship titles constantly? I mean, you sure like it. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people get fired up about it. Just check out, check out social media. Um, and yeah, and there, they will be the top seed at the NCEA championship. So they'll be number one seed. That's April 15th. So we got a couple weeks there. Uh, and that's where they can, they can win the national championship again. Uh, it's a big deal. I thought it's kind of funny that all these Alabama fans, after they lost in basketball, 
started, you know, they're, they're part of their smack talk with Auburn was like, oh, what are you in equestrian school? I'm like, what? Auburn equestrians, like reputation is out there. Like even other fan bases know about it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I don't know. They're, uh, people, Auburn people are proud of that. And, uh, and then once for, for another year, they can, they can be proud again because they won that state championship again. Yeah, just jumping off what Justin said, um, you know, no matter what sport you're playing, if you can win that consistently, I mean, that, that speaks for itself. It, it's so hard because it's not like there's no competition. You know, I saw somebody asking, like, does other SEC schools even have a question? I know they do. Georgia's is pretty good, and that's who Auburn beat. Um, so it's something to be proud of. I get why people are excited about that. And first, let me just throw in, come on, Alabama fans. If you want to talk smack, talk oh. about Auburn bass fishing. Don't, don't talk smack about equestrian. Like, what oh, are we, no. You got that? Oh, no. You got that on a tee. You, you <laughs> I, have, I have faith that Alabama fans can do better than that. I was going to bring up the roundtable. Do we think Auburn rolled the trees because of equestrian, or do we accept the truth that they rolled the trees because Alabama lost to the It yeah, was a thousand percent because – UCLA beat Alabama. I hate to say that. I, w I would readily admit if I thought otherwise, it's because Alabama lost. The question was like a day before. It doesn't, none of it makes any rain. Like none of it makes any sense. Uh, yeah, it was definitely because Alabama lost. I don't understand why. And then Alabama people get so mad that they rolled the trees. And then Auburn people get mad that Alabama fans got mad. It's like, just accept it. You're rivals. Like, you be happy. Be happy. <laughs> That's why we that uh, Josh Vitale and I were talking about this. It's the basis of sports is rivalries, and I'm not happy when you win, and I'm happy when you lose, and you're not happy when I win, and you're happy when I lose. Right. Who tries to to break it down any further than that? I mean, and it's like that with all fan bases. It's not just special to Auburn and Alabama. I mean, right. every fan base doesn't want the other fan base to have what they want, and, and that's that's sort of the beginning and the end of it. Just like big brother, little brother. I'm like, just shut up. It's a, it's not a big brother complex. It's a I hate you complex. Just accept it. Everybody needs to accept it and admit that you hate them. Just go, just go nuts. Roll the trees harder. I don't care. <laughs> I will say I had a very happy Auburn fan when UCLA pulled that out in overtime this week. I, you, you, I mean, it's beating your rival losing. Of course, you're happy, and of course, you got a lot of Auburn fans and. Bring this up, Alabama, who'd they play in the tournament? A 15 seed, a 10 seed, and they lost to an 11 seed. And then Auburn, I don't even know who they, what seeds they were, but they went through the three historic blue blood programs. And Auburn fans still can hang their hat on the fact that they are still the only college in the state of Alabama to go to a final four. You, I mean, UCLA, it turns out that, you know, they beat Michigan, but I wasn't very impressed with Michigan. So, uh, you know, that's. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how far UCLA goes. I don't think they go much further. <clears throat> well, speaking of NCAA brackets, how are y'all's brackets doing? You know, we oh. finally got our final four set from last from um, Tuesday night. Michigan was the last straw. I had Michigan. I think I had Michigan winning it all. I mean, I haven't even looked at my bracket since Ohio State got beat by Oral Roberts, but I can promise you, it's 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 definitely near the bottom of the group that we're all in. It was. It was I had Texas and Ohio State, both of them in the final four. They both lost in what the first round, second round. <laughs> so they're done. So yeah, my bracket's been done ever since then. I guess I got Gonzaga and Houston. I did get those. So half, you know, whatever. 
Yeah, I had Gonzaga and Baylor. Those are the two that I have left. And Gonzaga is my team. I got one in it all. So fingers crossed Gonzaga keeps up its dominance and I can hopefully win one or two of my brackets in my league. Fun fun fact I saw, uh, the four final four teams, what do we got? We got Gonzaga has never won a national championship. Houston's never won a national championship. Baylor's never won a national championship. And UCLA's won 11 of them. <laughs> and they're the ones they're the ones that are the worst seed. They're the Cinderella story. So how about that? We may see an all-new national champion crown for the, this year. Which will be definitely a lot of fun. All right, Justin, do you want me to address the elephant in the room now? Sarah, yes. Yes. Well, Don't sadly. Why I'm inconsolable. <laughs> Well, Justin's so sad because sadly, this is my very last podcast with OA News Overtime. My last day with OA News is going to be on Friday, and I am packing up my stuff, putting it in a van, and driving up to Peoria, Illinois to be a weekend sportscaster. So I'm super excited to pursue my dream in TV sports, but definitely will be very sad to leave this podcast, but I've left it in good hands with our video intern, Thomas. And of course, Justin and Jordan's wonderful number <laughs> amount of knowledge that they have. Sarah, and of I just, course, Justin is very sad. Sarah, I just want to say congratulations. You deserve this. I know that Justin and I are both excited for you and you deserve this. I'm excited to see what you're able to do up there. I'm sad you're leaving us because we're losing a lot, but uh, I know you're going to do great things in Illinois. Well, thanks, Jordan. And we'll just let Justin be inconsolable for the next few days. And hopefully he'll be a little bit in better spirits for next week's podcast. Yeah, not excited, Sarah, but we're all very proud. We're all going to be watching and uh, we're all very glad. Well, for now, what are you two guys going to have working on that everybody can read on oanow.com and in the paper in the coming weeks about Auburn sports? We're working on a two-man podcast. That's what we're working on. Working on a format change. <laughs> we got that. I mentioned earlier uh, the story that will be in Thursday's paper about some of the players to watch in on the football team with what's left of spring practice. Got a preview for Auburn baseball series with Arkansas. Arkansas is the number one team in the nation, so Auburn's riding a little bit of a losing streak. They got to figure that out. We had a chance to talk to Butch Thompson, and he kind of laid out what needs to happen, so I'll have that. And We'll have uh, some of the, the recaps from those games and then some more AU football as we get ready for spring practice to pick back up next week. More football, more football, more football, gymnastics, <laughs> a little bit of baseball, softball. There you go. That's it. And again, everyone can find their content on oanow.com in the print edition of the Opelika Auburn News and constantly follow those guys on Twitter. Again, we'll still do our friendly banter, even though I'm going to be in Illinois, but they are going to have lots of good content headed your way. And they will be tweeting about all their content and everything else that's going on in Auburn sports. So again, thank you everyone for your support with this podcast as I hand off the reins to just these two and it changes from a three person to a two person, but they are still going to bring you the great content and please continue to support them. So until next time, have a great week.